0: and
1: Episode of I'm No Joe, your home for all things combat sports and the place where every armchair quarterback can feel like in improv. The views and opinions presented on the I'm No Joe channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, that means we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned.
2: Bing, boom. Yo, somebody tell Joe Byron it's
1: Thursday and I know Joe is on. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. Today, as like most days, we have got a glorious panel of beautiful bastards here to break down shit talk and get into shenanigans with all the fun we have to look forward to in our final Fucking card of July for the UFC. Thank the mighty MMA gods. We survived. So before we get into all that craziness and all that shenanigan, how the fuck are you gentlemen doing this fine evening?
2: Doing pretty good. Hope you guys are doing just as good. Be excited for fucking Saturday.
3: Hell yeah it's fucking it's thursday we've got a i'll say a decent card on saturday i wouldn't say exciting but i mean well there is some excitement to be had well,
2: you know, i gotta work all fucking week so i'm excited to have some time off and watch fights you know? i work
3: all week too i don't want to hear that bullshit I'm just saying, there's, <laughs> there's always a reason to be excited you know like i'm just saying this card leaves a little something to be desired for a paid preview. I mean to be next honest we there's be no paying need time. for the view on this card. Right. To be quite honest. <laughs> but, you know it is what <clears> it <throat> is. be and like one of those
1: like you watch four cards, get your bunch card fucking stamped your fifth card is free this month. Like
3: that's what they should have done. <laughs> At this point you watch the rest of them by all means the fucking Starbucks rewards program here. Right a- have a free one on us, you know yeah. fuck this this one is you could tell this was a, a slop together to kill international fight month to literally yeah. kill it they yeah they they literally just wanted to be like we're done <laughs> oh yeah and um i have to apologize to rick um sorry for shit hitting the fan earlier it happens <laughs>
1: Oh, but uh, before we get into all of the fun and fuckery we have got for this weekend's card, uh, I want to take just a little bit, as we often do around here, to do just a little bit of a recap for last weekend's insanity. For those of you who somehow have managed to sleep under a rock for the last week, there was absolutely fuckery afoot from the absolute fucking jump in London you knew from the moment that card opened and the stadium was packed and fucking rocking already it was gonna be one of those fucking nights and boy if it wasn't ever holy fucking shit um I will say I know he wasn't He's not from London, but that crowd absolutely charged Dolby up in that opening fight. And it wasn't, still isn't, that Dolby is one of those world breakers that you better keep your eye on. He's honestly a, a hot and cold mixed bag kind of fighter, but... Claudio Silva came out absolutely was sucking dick on the corner for loose change in broad daylight and Dolby was like oh it's my fucking moment bitch and just slapped that motherfucker around for 15 minutes he genuinely the combination of Dolby feeding noticeably off the crowd and Silva just glugging him fucking down just made Dolby look like an absolute fucking champion when they fucking raised his hand at the end of the fucking match so you could tell right away London was on it's shit and ready to fucking party from the opening bell yeah it was Um, sucked that it was at 10 o'clock in the fucking morning here in the states but you know what are you gonna do (laughs) um i've got to say uh mandy baum and victoria leonardo came out there and let it fucking hang those ladies were giving it for all she was fucking worth for a hard fucking 15 uh leonardo was just the better of the two in my opinion over the whole they both had their moments pretty damn good fight uh much better than the fight that followed it um this was kind of the uh very similar situation to the opening fight in that Jai Herbert was absolutely getting that hometown pop and Kyle Nelson just came out and looked like he had been sleeping for the last four hours and someone woke him up and taped the gloves to his hands and went, go! Uh, Yeah, he was fucking bad.
3: That one was fucking terrible. And that Bowman and Leonardo fight was way better than it had any fucking right being.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Those ladies came out and were like, hold my beer, bitch. (laughs) Yeah. um, Very much like the first fight. Not that we thought that Jai Herbert versus Kyle Nelson was going to come out and be a fucking, you know, barn burner or anything. But it it genuinely looked like Jai Herbert realized right away that he was like a level and a half above Kyle Nelson and kind of just coasted through a 15-minute easy light workout session more than a fight, really. Um, then, <laughs> then we had a legitimate goddamn barn burner on the fucking prelims uh Muhammad Mukai versus Charles Johnson now I will say this Charles Johnson came out ready to have a fucking shield war like he was ready to fucking die in that ring when he came out when that third round was done He looked like he might have had a little bit of a change of opinion about how that whole course of events actually played out versus how he had visualized it, I say in air quotes, for those of you listening. Um, I will say this. Again, I don't think Muhammad Mukhaib is a world breaker just yet. He's also very young, and we've only seen a little bit of him, but he is also one of those guys that everything he has told us he is going to do so far he has come out and done for the most part. So um, obviously they're not going to start throwing him to fucking top five guys anytime soon, but it is going to be very interesting to keep an eye on him, especially when after he won this fight, he immediately took to Twitter and started calling out Patty Pimblett at either 45 or 55. Like I get it. Shoot your shot, son. But like take a day off of posting pictures of yourself with machine guns And, like, heal up a little bit, let the swelling in your head calm down a little bit, then, you know, make a call
3: out of a dude who's a weight class above you and, like, half a dozen fights ahead. The only credit I can give him is he did make a good reason for the call outs. It wasn't just because he wanted to get a call out of a name above him. He had a pretty solid legitimate reason why he wanted to. Like, if if you read the comments and the interviews that he's had about it since... There's beef. Yeah, there's beef. Well, he has beef. Patty's like, who the fuck is this guy? But, you know, right. I was going to say, yeah, he's got beef. Correct. I yeah. So, But I liked where his mindset was on it, but definitely a little bit above uh, he's trying to punch above his weight class right now. Yeah, most most definitely. He's absolutely
1: don't get me wrong. Somebody to keep your eye on for sure, but slow down. <laughs> um and then i mean really for all intents and purposes the, the man of the prelim card in, in my opinion uh fucking jsp ladies and gentlemen um mr finland came out and just it obviously we weren't in his corner we weren't in his locker room so we can't say definitively we don't know 100% for certain but From an outsider's point of view, it sure as hell looked like uh, Maquan Amir Khani came into this fight thinking that he was getting tossed a soup can to style on and he didn't really have to put in much effort that he was going to be able to come out and just like stunt and dance and look like a million bucks. And then when he was ready, just (coughs) shut the lights off and cash his check and go home. JSP was like, you ain't hurt. Better ask somebody, motherfucker, cause <laughs> uh from the time that fight started, uh Jonathan Pierce was like, No, 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 motherfucker, you heard all wrong because I'm finna put it the fuck on you. And he did. Um, he made Amir Connie just look flat-footed as all get out. And I'm again. I'm not saying Amir Khan, is a world breaker, but we have seen what he is capable of and he can do potentially great things. He's had some pretty fucking bright flashes so far. So we know that there's at least some decent potential within that young man. And JSP came out and just snuffed that fucking flame with authority, uh, was handling him on the feet, was handling him on the fucking ground. And then when the moment, oper- or excuse me, when the, the moment presented itself, he seized the opportunity and put Amir Connie flat the fuck down. <sighs> elbows. Elbows might be the story of that fight. Just perfectly timed, precise, is all get out, fuck you, Molly McCann, elbows. <laughs> yeah, that... Just beautifully done just beautiful work by fucking Jonathan Pierce I, I'm definitely excited to see where he goes next um, quick touch here just because a lot of people apparently didn't realize it going into it according to fucking Twitter apparently um, Nathaniel Wood versus Charles Rosa wasn't just Nathaniel Wood getting back to action after some time on the sidelines This was also his debut at featherweight. He's traditionally a bantamweight fighter. So he was going up to take on Charles Rosa. So it's his first time in a new weight class and after some time off. So there was every reason in the world for him to come out there and just trip over his own dick and stumble around the octagon for 15 fucking minutes. And he didn't. He came out and genuinely looked pretty goddamn good for a dude in a new weight class with some time under his fucking belt gaining rust
3: dude he he legitimately put on a clinic for this is how you come back and knock off ring, ring rust cuz Charles Rosa looked like absolute dog shit compared to him and it's not that uh, for lack of trying cuz you could tell Rosa's obviously been working on his striking and it's gotten better but Nathaniel would literally just put it fucking on him that fight and that's how you come back and change weight classes like, that's I'm excited to see where he goes from there because he just beat the ever-living dog piss out of Rosa that fight. He (laughs) straight fucking put a leash on him and walked that dog everywhere.
1: Honestly, if if from what he was saying in some of the post-fight interviews, that this is closer to his actual walking around weight. And he, he really didn't have to do anything but a small water cut to get down to 45 to be ready to fight. So he didn't balloon back up that much, which is why he felt so comfortable in the octagon and was able to perform so well. If that's the case, I don't think he should be allowed to go back to 35 anymore. Make your couple pound water cut because that looks
2: spectacular. It was the most impressive fight of the night to me out of the whole card. Everything else that happened on the main event and all that. Nathaniel Wood was the most impressive I saw. Can't wait to see him fucking fight again. I think he needs to stay in the featherweight division, even though it's stacked with killers.
3: Well, And he literally proved a point that we we fucking harp on all the time. Fighting closer to your natural weight, not dropping 30 pounds to make fucking weight every time. (laughs) Fighting at your fucking walk-around weight, that shows you what's fucking possible. And I'm not saying Charles Rose is a world breaker or anything like that, that he took on a fucking great, great fighter. Charles is a mediocre at best fighter. He's a very good jujitsu practitioner, but he's not he's a great featherweight player. brad Tavares. Yeah, pretty much. I want him to get moved up. Yeah, and, and, and that's key, but that also showed what can happen when you're not having to cut a fuck ton of weight coming back after a long fucking layoff do natural weight classes that's same thing we harp on all the time and that literally proved it it showed what can happen at that fucking oh i'm gonna come off the street after training for fucking three months and I'm gonna whip the fuck out of you at my own weight. I'm not going to drop weight to go to the class that I normally would fight at. I'll just stay at your weight. Fuck it.
1: Yeah, it was, it was impressive to say the very least. Um, I, I honestly hope he stays at 45 cause that was, that was impressive, especially considering everything factor wise went into it just class fucking act, man. So good on Nathaniel Wood. Um, DeCasey versus Hadzivik wasn't terrible. Um, Mason Jones versus Ludwig Klein, not terrible. Nothing really special in either one of those fights, in my opinion, though. Um, Then we get to the opening of the main card.
3: (sighs) the fucking beard right. you tripped over his own dick that's all there is to it <laughs> uh,
1: i i think it was a mutual dick tripping if we're going to be totally honest here um because the reality is paul craig completely depended on his jujitsu way too much that to the extent that he literally would just pull guard and lay on his back several times during the fight yeah, and had to be stood up by the referee.
2: fights ever right but
1: right. on the other hand Vulcan Ozdemir refused to press forward for 15 fucking minutes. I'm not saying he had to press forward the whole time. I'm saying he never press forward there were several of those moments where paul craig was on the ground and he could have easily just thrown his legs to the side fucking came down with a bomb and realistically probably ended it ozdemir has that power and that accuracy we've seen him drill fucking guys with that one shot and lay him the fuck out and craig literally spent minutes plural laying on his back with his hands behind his head
3: yeah that was a weird fucking fight.
1: Yeah, it, it was awkward on both sides. I think it was a mutual dick tripping. I don't think either one of those men should be proud of anything that happened in that fight. And I get that they gave it to Ozdemir because he did. He was the more active fighter. He landed more strikes. He was at least trying more from the visibility standpoint. But yeah, no, that, that fight was terrible for both of those gentlemen, in my opinion. They should both be ashamed of that shit show. Yeah. Um, And then we come to the spark that set the O2 really fucking going. Um, Molly McCann and, I mean, uh, Hannah Goldie. Uh, Not since they, quote unquote, created the featherweight division for cyborg have i seen such a can get tossed up to get fucking mallet smashed hannah goldie should not have made it past the soup can series to begin with i got nothing against her i like hannah goldie i think she has potential but she's an ice cream cone shaped gal who doesn't understand how to use what she has and it shows every time she gets in that fucking cage and they fed her to molly at home knowing exactly what molly was gonna do to her guess what molly spun an elbow right into her fucking head didn't knock her out but when it dropped her molly bounced right the fuck on top of her and finished it surprise surprise Color me fucking shocked.
3: And look, I'll give credit to the UFC on this one and matchmaking. Because guess what? They talked their way into that, knowing exactly what that was going to do. At that point, especially knowing what was coming up in the following fights, dude, they had that. That fucking place was a fucking blaze after that. Just wonder knew what was happening at that point in the night. Yeah, it, it was fucking, it was great. And to be honest, nothing against Hannah Goldie. But that's it, bitch, doesn't need to be fighting. She needs to be in bodybuilding competitions. Because, dude, she's got traps on traps on fucking traps. Fucking lats are huge. I'm like, what the fuck are you and, fighting for?
1: And her jiu-jitsu is legitimate. She rolls with Jillian Robertson on a regular basis. Follow their social. She's good. She's genuinely good. But she clearly has hands made of fucking bread boxes she she can't
2: she, what do she i do can't. with my hands
1: yeah no <laughs> she she can't and molly was like oh bitch you going to get it and then she gave it to
3: her and then just to watch molly go and get just fucking just like she did second she walks out of the cage after they announce it straight to go have a fucking shots and off with a bottle of fucking hollerhead, yeah, dude, right on shots yourself. with
1: your jig check fucking cage side, and then running out with her fucking bottle of howlerhead, absolutely
2: jumping in fucking Dave arms right after <laughs> in the fucking Portnoy's arms, right into Portnoy's arms, yeah. Oh my god, but even fucking after the fact, like during Patty's fucking fight, you know, wearing the motherfucking wig, chugging down the heads more, like fucking she was going on at the whole rest of the night. It was fucking, nah, uh, I think she yeah. was the best best part of the night like entertainment wise she's fucking <laughs> that
3: might have been the best fucking media that Barstool <laughs> sports has ever gotten just say it yeah that was
1: that was definitely the best publicity they've ever had for fucking sure <laughs>
3: Right, because uh the one bite slice pizza shit just isn't gotten it <laughs> right
1: um but as fun as that one was um That brings us to the other side of the roller coaster and unfortunately, as they say, the ups aren't as up if there isn't a down to compare them to. Unfortunately, we literally came from one of the peaks of our roller coasters of the evening and sent immediately back down into a very gut wrenching dip. Um... Nikita Krylov versus Alexander Gustafson was honestly a little hard to watch, um, despite there being a metric fuck ton of footage out there on various different social media platforms from various different people showing Gus in the training room looking like a fucking stud, looking like the old Gus, ready to come back and be the Mauler again something happened when that cage door closed and that's not the guy that we got in the octagon saturday night and I, i'm not saying that to be a smart ass and i'm not tr- saying that to try and be funny the same gustafson that we saw in the footage on social media looked like the gustafson that gave jones the business back in the day that hall of fame gust the spark was in his eye it looked like he was genuinely gonna come back and make a fucking run at it and when that cage door closed that looked like Gustafson after the second Jones fight it was just a thousand yard stare looking for the clock every time he got the opportunity it it didn't I don't know And I don't say that to try and take anything away from Nikita Krylov, who looked like a fucking stud. From the time that fucking opening bell went off, he was in fucking focus mode. And you could see he was on the polar opposite side of what Gustafson was. He was locked the fuck in and ready to go. And Gustafson just... I don't know. It it literally felt like he just wasn't there at all.
3: Yeah, he just seemed like he he didn't even clock in for the fight. Like he seemed like he was hyped coming up to the cage and all that, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, I've lost everything. I think I'm I'm more disappointed because knowing he's been training with fucking Kamzat and Darren Till over there, and those two fucking let me kill each other bros right now, fucking you would have figured that that switch would have stayed turned on. I don't know how he goes back to that gym with those two fuckers in it, because they're going to they're gonna molly the shit out of him in that gym now.
1: Well, the, the reality of it is, 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 as hard as it is to say, genuinely, that was his Cowboy Cerrone moment. Yeah. He had everything lined up, whether he won or not, to come back to where he had made his fucking name, he looked like a stud coming in, and the bright lights flipped on, and he didn't.
3: Yeah, a sad thing to see. Another one of the greats on the way out the fucking door. And yeah, and and like with Cerrone,
1: that it doesn't come back. When it oh. stops turning on for the bright lights, it's done. Yeah. It it's done, and I I think we just saw that. For Gustafson, as much as well, oh, and
3: you could tell his chin is completely fucking gone. Yeah, he, man, his chin is
1: made of butter at this point. Because again, I love Nikita Krylov, and I will cheer that motherfucker on till he retires as well. But he wasn't putting the hardest fucking shots. No, on Alex, he was putting Those clean like shots. But he wasn't putting the hardest playing.
2: shots. Yeah, it really that, didn't look that bad. It didn't look like it was very damaging at all. It Just got like you said, Gus did not seem to be there.
3: Well, oh, and I'll give the key to this. His shots they weren't hard, but where he wanted them to hit is where they were fucking hitting. Like he, he had so much precision, it was fucking great. Yeah, he was sniping
1: for damn sure.
3: But yeah,
2: it's it's not like he put hard. Gus out. It was just that. Immediately, once he got hit, like the from the first time, it just like curl up and then kind of run away. Is just the immediate reaction, and that's why the ref didn't give him much time before he just stopped it because he never stopped like just trying to back up and like he just, he just didn't want to fight, and it was a sad sight to see.
1: Yeah, when they played the replay, when they show or showed the replays rather, and they started cutting from different angles, you could see the first good shot. Nikita landed on him it put Gustafson in Bambi mode and right away he was just like nope immediate defense immediate defense start backing up, backing up there was no offense there was no trying to land a counter shot it was all just back up and avoid back up and avoid and I mean when a dude tees off on you like
3: that yeah I think that might officially be the last we see of Gustafson. I, I I, honestly think that we'll get some sort of report in the next week or two that, yep, I've had time to think on it. I'm obviously not there 100%. Can't yeah. do it. And it's that same fucking concept of like fucking when Megan Anderson dropped something this week too, said, hey, my heart's not in it. No, I'm not willing to just go in there and get my ass kicked when I'm not there 100%. And I think Gust is going to have that same fucking little epiphany that hits him, too. And as weird
1: as it is, honestly, I would rather see that than something that I'm going to earmark for right now. And I'll come back to in the news and recent events segment. And you'll understand why when we get there. But uh, moving on from there. Um, again, when it comes to the roller coaster of a card like this, the highs can only be appreciated if you've come from so low. And we went from the high to the low, and then immediately right straight the fuck back up. Uh, Patty Pimblett versus Jordan Levitt might have had one of the craziest round ones we've seen in the last month or two because there have been some crazy round ones this year, so I'm not putting against everything, but in the last month or two, for damn sure, that was insane. Those boys were both in some, like, breath-holding oh-shit positions for a minute there. Yeah,
3: it's Fucking interesting, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say this. Uh, I did not think... Patty Pimblett had it in him to weather through the I'm saying the the second round the 246 that they're calling it of the second round in my opinion was more grueling and more telling of what Patty is actually capable of than all of the insanity of round 1 as amazing as round 1 was to begin with I think what the adversity he had to put to deal through rather Um, in putting Jordan Levitt in the trouble that he did, because the end of it wasn't just about how he got that choke or or that he got the choke rather. It was how he got that choke, how he got to the position that he did where Jordan Levitt literally had the left arm pinned down and was one arm fighting for over a minute to sustain his fucking ability to breathe there at the end of it. Um, But Patty Pimblett true to his goddamn word uh, choked Jordan Levitt to submission and stood up and promptly gave him the modern warfare to as was predetermined Um, and I'll say this I am still not 100% sold on Patty's fighting ability I am still in my mind convinced that we have seen more hype than skill i'm not saying it's not there i'm saying what we have seen has been more hype than skill but and i mean sir mix a lot size we like our right got it but the fact that he said what he said In his post-fight interview, when that arena was on its fucking feet and he silenced 16,000 people and gave one of the most heartfelt, honest, and honestly needed interviews I have ever fucking seen in my life. And for that, I will not root against him the next time. Because there are not enough people in this world willing to say what he said, let alone in the spotlight that he
3: said it. If
1: you need help, reach
3: out. Yeah, that was that was fucking, to be honest, he could have said a million things and that place would have fucking went absolutely batshit crazy. Nope. Yes. He took the time to make sure everybody fucking knew. And to be honest, probably one of the best post-fight, immediate post-fight interviews we've seen in a long time. Now, was it as funny as when him and Molly were sitting there and he's plowing his face with fucking food? No. But it was the most important. And at that time, I'll say the most heartfelt one we've heard in a long, long fucking time. Probably one of the best. Absolutely. It, it was impressed the, the dude impressed me how he went from that highest of high to fucking toning it down and then you seen him just fucking lose it on the way out like it what he said he fucking meant
2: yeah yeah i was already a huge fan of patty before that and i mean a lot of people were talking you know, like he even said about his skill like Could Jordan Levitt beat him, you know, all the way leading up to the fight? So I I strongly believe he was going to get the finish one way or another on Jordan Levitt. he did. I I think he's got a lot to work on. Like, uh, I'd like to see him fight someone a little step up, maybe like Clay Guida or, you know, Jim Miller next. But he's got to protect the chin. He's got some things he's got to work on. He, He does need to get that slow climb up. And hopefully the hype doesn't get him shot up like, you know, they're doing Sean O'Malley. But definitely he went from just like a potential prospect that's working their way up, that talks a big game and has this hype somewhat like Connor did. He just became one of my favorite fighters in the entire mixed martial arts fucking world. Are you sure?
3: Speech. Are you sure that's one of your favorite fighters? I could have sworn you wanted sugar Port on you. Well, yeah. I still <laughs> love sugar Sean O'Malley,
2: but the Batty is now. Like, if I was to ever do a top five, neither one of those would be in my top five. Like of current fighters right now. It wouldn't be in no top five. I probably wouldn't even be in the top ten. I probably wouldn't even put them in the top 25.
3: But I love them. Whatever you got to say to feel better about the situation. I'm not here to judge.
2: <laughs> no, if you wanted me to actually go through it, like I know we don't have time tonight, but I could give you, you know, a top 25 list. I, I don't think either one of them would actually wind up being in it on who I think the best fighters or my actual favorite fighters. You know, Anthony Smith, they're up, he's, he's this weekend, you know, he, he's up above the both of them.
3: <laughs> I would hope so.
2: Sean Strickland's above both of
3: them. <laughs>
1: Had Patty definitely still has some work to do, clearly, in the gym. But uh, I will say he he definitely did show some improvement compared to the last time we saw him out. Granted, the last time we saw him out was against a fucking Molly McCann-level fucking soup can. They teed up for him to do exactly what he did last time. So uh, I'm curious to see if they continue this slow roll and give him somebody that's still on the level with him and let him earn it instead of throwing him to the wolves and let him go fucking
3: you know, the one good thing that came out of those two on this card, they may have made fucking London a permanent fucking fixture in the UFC like uh, more often than what it is now after that because that was fucking huge for them.
1: Yeah, no, they, they definitely showed that if you bring the right combination, Molly and Patty, back to London, that arena will pal- like pale in comparison to what it ever did before. It sold the fuck out absolutely to the gills both times they've come back this year and completely blown records out so yeah it the the willingness is there now for damn sure um that however will bring us to the co-main event of the evening uh the action man chris curtis stepping back in on short notice against the joker
3: jack hermanson um just want to say this before you get into it. Yeah, fucking nailed it last week. I fucking called it. <laughs> no, I I think a lot of us,
1: not just on the show, but in the the MMA world as a whole, went into this weekend expecting Jack Hermanson's wrestling to really be the the big decision maker, the big determining factor, and. There was a small part to play with with Jack Hermanson's wrestling, but I I say that in all sincerity, it was a genuine small part to play in that fight. Uh to to make a 15-minute story short, uh body kicks, body kicks, fucking body kicks. Oh my god. Talking about baseball bats slapping a heavy bag level body kicks. Over and over and over and no fucking answer for him. Jack Hermanson just used it as a fucking training session to kick the fucking ribs and arms of Chris Curtis from either side, from inside, from outside, use a knee to back him up and then catch him with another fucking body kick. Oh, my God. Jack was just working out like he was doing one of those bullet Valentino fucking like UFC sisters fucking kick workouts. Holy shit, dude. Like, and Chris Curtis had no answer for it at all.
3: He had a poor attitude. That's what he fucking had.
1: <laughs> he was <laughs> he was super fucking salty about it because, look, I, I understand when a fight doesn't go the way that you think it's going to and you can't adjust your game plan to compensate for what's happening, it can absolutely get to be frustrating. I have no doubt about that but when you're getting hit constantly for 15 minutes and you have no answer for what's happening despite you literally chasing your opponent in a circle rather than cutting off the octagon which the commentators mentioned several times throughout the fight you can't blame the other dude For kicking the shit out of you, keeping you at distance, and not letting you get into your range, which is exactly what you're supposed to fucking do.
3: Yeah, It was fucking ugly. He he didn't do anything that he was supposed to in that fight, and the only person he had to blame at that point was himself, and I get it. He was kind of pissed at the way Hermanson was... He was. I will say, it was more of a fucking. It wasn't that he wasn't engaging; he just wasn't engaging, engaging like he expected, and that and that threw him off his game. So, All right. I get it. That that's frustrating, but at the same time, it's also your job to bring the fucking action. And Chris Curtis can bring the fucking action. It's called the fucking action man for a reason. <laughs> just fucking saying, you failed to do even your own fucking moniker justice in that fight. And, I will give him credit after he was cooled down and all of that. He did put out a statement saying, hey, I apologize for my actions. They were not fucking right. Hermanson's a good dude. I was just frustrated in the moment. Yeah, no, they, they
1: took a backstage selfie after everything was calmed down. And they, they apparently shook hands and, and talked it out. And fucking like Chris Curtis was like, yo, I was an asshole earlier. Like this dude's super fucking awesome. Like it, I was yeah. totally a dick.
3: We're cool. that that i I say give him credit for but at the same time he needs to look at himself and like we said four weeks for jack romanson is not fucking enough that's just it's It's not not,
1: it's not man he's serious he's a serious fucking problem for anybody at 85 period like you cannot take that motherfucker lightly there's a reason why he's
3: been a staple in towards the top of that division for such a long fucking time now
1: yeah (laughs) No, the Joker is as legitimate as it fucking gets, man. So you, you can't ever take him fucking lightly.
2: It was nice. That it pit, I mean, Chris Curtis pissed him off enough. He actually said, fuck you, pussy. Like, he gave him a couple birds. Fuck you, pussy. Like, yeah, that, that was, was kind of pussy. funny. because
1: Yeah, Jack Hermanson did blow his fucking top there at the end of the fight when Chris Curtis continued to talk shit. And he was just like, fuck you, pussy. <laughs> like, you saw the steam vent off a little bit. <laughs>
2: I see a dude that's normally so fucking nice just say so And then immediately, like a minute after, he's like, oh, I'm fucking sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. And then he right away It fucking... was like,
3: I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, and good on both of them for let all the fucking frustration out in the fucking octagon. Don't Adrenaline let it boil over in your, your brain, your outside.
1: Adrenaline does weird shit to your brain, especially when there's fucking spotlights and cameras on you. So, well, I get it. I get it. Especially when the other so guys really want to fucking to kill you. It. Yeah, the fact that they're able to realize it in the aftermath when that adrenaline is fucking gone and then be rational humans about it again is what I love about MMA.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: Now, unfortunately, after all that feel-good story, we come to the bitch part of the evening. Um, 15 seconds is all she fucking wrote, technically speaking. Uh, I don't think it was actually more than 10 all said and done. Uh, I think there was one punch thrown, one punch fainted, and then a what looked to originally be like a thigh kick that went a little high and a little long, and landed kind of almost to Chris, Cur- uh, Chris excuse me, Curtis Blades's hip. Uh, and then when Tom Aspinall brought that leg back down and went to plant on it, uh, he immediately grabbed it and and fell to the ground and was uh, subsequently then. Uh, doctor uh attended to uh when they officially stopped the fight um we did get word literally just this afternoon that they still don't know exactly what the fuck happened in there and they won't know until they uh put him under the knife next week when he's back
3: in london with his doctor so uh it it was significant hats off to curtis blades not beating the ever-living shit out of him when he fell down like that because he could have he would have had every right to he could have wore
1: him off about that situation for damn sure. And but like a gentleman, he stopped immediately and looked right at the ref and went, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like literally you saw him in the replays. He looks at the referee and says, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah,
3: he, he, he did the right thing. And my hat's off to him. It's shitty that two, two fucking weeks in a row, we've had main the main, main event stop due to fucking injury. Main of fence, no man. fault of the fighters themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it, a weird two fucking weeks, man. First a fucking shoulder, and then a fucking knee. What the actual fuck? Yeah, it was, like, it if was a bad I'm day. telling you, if it happens this week, I'm fucking quitting the UFC. I'm fucking done.
1: Well, and the the thing that makes it even more of a fucking head scratcher is that not only did we end the night, unfortunately, on a fucking freak injury like that. But then to almost add salt to the wound, metaphorically speaking, uh, they didn't announce a fight of the night. They gave away four performance of the night bonuses and
3: no fight of the night bonus. Ridiculous because there was a a fight in there that we could have absolutely a
1: couple of contenders that should have gotten a fight of the night bonus. I don't care how many performances you want to fucking give. There is a couple that were legitimate contenders for fight of the night last weekend that being said um obviously molly and patty and then nikita and jsp all got performance bonuses. i have no issue let me be clear i have no issue with all four of those performances getting a bonus all four of those were worthy of a performance bonus in my opinion but like i always say if you're going to make these performance bonuses have a statistic and fucking mean something then you have to have consistency. What the fuck good does having the most fight of the night bonuses mean if you have a random card in the middle of July that doesn't get a fight of the night bonus? We got four performance of the night bonuses but no fight of the night. So what does the performance of the bo- or uh, fight of the night stat uh leader mean anymore? They skipped the whole fucking card, giving them out. And it's not the first time they've done it this year, even. So this is why I constantly bitch about why the UFC does their bonuses the way they fucking do. If it's going to mean something, make it fucking mean something and let it mean something. If not, let's get silly every fucking weekend. Let's do nine. Let's do anybody who makes it more than the first round gets a bonus. Let's get stupid if we're going to get stupid. Otherwise, let's have some fucking consistency, please, Dana
3: yes please for god fucking sakes please that being said um we did also
1: have last weekend that i completely forgot so i will absolutely own fucking blame on that uh xmma5 which is again one of the the smaller organizations that's on the up and coming uh but i I believe a third of the card was built off of Uh, People who had recently or within the last couple of years been released from UFC. It's very much like a uh, Eagle FC tier uh, promotion, but they had a bunch of ex UFC fighters on the card, including Luis Pena versus Will Brooks as the main event. So um, I will say. It got virtually zero promotion, which I'm a little disappointed in because the entire five-hour card was free on YouTube and still is, which I encourage you to go watch sometime this weekend if you have some free time. It really wasn't a bad fucking card overall for a small promotion. Uh, That being said, the main event was an absolute sack of dog shit. and Luis Pena and Will Brooks both absolutely deserve to stay on the fucking local circuit. Those clowns aside, there genuinely were some smaller name, new up-and-coming fighters on that card. Who might be fun to keep an eye on and that promotion itself i absolutely will be looking for in the future so that might be one we get added to the little hey what's going on here
3: list that was what how when i watched that fucking fight fight there i wondered how the fuck did that motherfucker ever make it into the ufc because you can call him violent bob ross all you want no he looked like fucking teddy bear soft bob ross it was fucking terrible yeah it was bad
1: and it's not like will brooks was giving him much fucking threats coming back there was no not it, at all it was very much like michelle watterson holly home like yeah yeah huh, kind of noises again like
3: you know what are like ricky
1: tertios kind of shit
3: it looked like when your local bar has cage fights and they're like we need two people out of the crowd for a fucking what weird-
1: are tough man contests
3: yeah It looked like that kind of shit. Oh, well, I've seen this on TV enough. Maybe I can do it.
1: I got punched in the head one time when I was in high school. I could do this for a living. Yeah, it was absolutely That's exactly what that
3: shit looked like. I've seen better fights in backyards than that fucking thing.
1: There were better fights on that card than the main event, who both gentlemen had been previously in the fucking UFC. Yeah,
3: it was fucking terrible.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a bad main event on an actual pretty decent fucking card overall, but I will absolutely be keeping my eye on that that organization going forward.
3: Um, I hope that also, organization got their money back from them.
1: Yeah, no shit. Um, also, I didn't mention last week, uh, because I didn't fucking want to, and I'm kind of glad that I didn't, uh, BKFC Tampa 2 went down last weekend, um, and there weren't a whole lot of great fights on it but there were a couple that i do want to take just a moment to mention here uh first and foremost um i want to take my fucking hat off to jared warren that gentleman got what i am going to say is arguably the most fucking gruesome (laughs) eye cut And kept the fuck at it without missing a beat. Did not let it slow him down in the least bit. And I guarantee you, had they been anywhere other than Florida, the doctors would have stopped that fucking fight. That shit was nasty looking. And he went on with that eye about to pop the fuck out of his goddamn head. Just open like a fucking blade three fucking secondary mouth coming out and whipped ass to earn himself a fucking unanimous decision victory. So bra fucking
3: vote to Jared Warren, first and foremost, for being a
1: badass.
3: You know, it's fucking great about that cut too. There was a small portion where it did kind of look like the state of Florida. So if you look real closely, it did kind of droop like the state of Florida. It was kind of it was kind of fitting for where they were fighting. It was a little ironic. Yeah, it was like the sunshine cut.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh but um the other one obviously how could we fucking not uh take just two seconds for me to go (laughs) oh okay sorry about that um fuck you Jared grant uh you fucking clown uh Reggie Barnett has had the shit beat out of him by fucking soup cans time and time again. And he went out there and legitimately looked like a scared little bitch from the time that fucking opening bell rung out. And I will say this, they did genuinely show multiple different angles from multiple different slow-mos. And he absolutely did catch a whole ass Reggie Barnett finger into his fucking eyeball. But He was getting the dog shit beat out of him by an absolute fucking soup can leading up until the time that Harry met Sally, so to speak. Um, Not like he had any fucking hope of turning that around had they sent that to the fucking, you know, give him five minutes to recover and then let him come back like nothing was going to change the fucking flow of that fight he was scared from the get go. And now the problem is, is that we have to hear fucking Barnett flap his cocksucker the whole fucking time with Bedford on the fucking sidelines right now. So, once again, we're back to a point where, despite fighting diligently to almost become legitimate and, like, root-forable, for for lack of a better word, BKFC has once again cheddar-bobbed themselves in broad fucking daylight for everyone to fucking see. I'll
3: say it. They're for working on doing such a good job that they were doing on working on becoming legitimate they're slowly falling into that realm of obscurity again to where i'm like do i even want to watch them because you're bringing in well fucking wife beaters um only fan accounts and shit like that to fill cards i'm out i want to see legitimate fucking fighters fighting over there i don't want to see that shit yeah, like I
1: don't want to, I don't need to hear that bottom of the barrel scraping noise. Like that's where I bail. Like I'm willing to watch a lot of weird and tacky fucking fights. I love fight circus. I fucking love fight circus. I enjoy weird and tacky fights. You know what I don't enjoy? public mismatches and people legitimately getting hurt for the entertainment and the money of others that's not what combat sports is about and that's not what any of us are fucking here for so if we're going to do fun shit let's do fun shit but let's not do stupid shit Capiche? yep that's exactly it that being said um We have got a little bit of news and recent events, kind of like last week. We've got them pretty centralized around one big card getting up, Enema, this week. Um, So I'll try and run down these as quick as I can. Um, First and foremost, we talked about this a little bit on the pre-show, but I am going to mention it here. Probably one of the only times you will hear me willingly mention the Tuesday night soup can series. Uh, This Tuesday night was is. Especially seriously serious, because not only did it suck dick out loud to the point where Dana threw a fucking fit about it, but they actually ahead of time had to scrap the co-main event plan for Tuesday night, because one of those soup cans weighed in 10 pounds over with a straight face. But, you know, it's just a soup can series, right? Now, I will say uh, just a quick little mention here, uh, an organization called ACA, one of Russia's premier MMA organizations, gave a truly inspiring performance this weekend when during one of the Probably to them, at least, arguably boringest fights they've ever fucking seen. Uh, the promoter walked into the fucking cage before the final round and called the rest of the event off and disqualified both gentlemen fighting, saying, "What do you think, you're fucking schoolboys? This is ridiculous. You're both disqualified." Threw his hands up in the air and walked out of the fucking cage. <laughs> um, absolutely fucking beautiful. Even Dana made a point to comment on it that it's the absolute right move. It's tacky as shit. It's not professional at all, but it is an admirable move to pull off when bullshit is going on. So you got two seconds there. You got your moment in the spotlight. Um, We got a report this week coming out from last week's Bellator card that went off just a little glimpse under the hood here with the main events salaries being released. Uh, Jason Jackson in grinding out his five round win over Douglas Lima got paid 191,000 versus Douglas Lima's $100,000 paycheck. Again, neither one to sneeze at, but when you look at the grand scheme of things and some of the fighters in that same division over the UFC who have had their paychecks disclosed, uh, it's a lot larger than both of those. So just, Something to keep in mind that while some of these guys are willing to disclose their salary, you have to take into consideration the global scheme and yeah, hundred grand ain't bad at all for the average Joe Schmo, but for a dude who is legitimately probably next looking at a title fight in the welterweight division. And arguably I would say one of the top 10 welterweights in the world organization be damned a hundred thousand dollars is not a very good fucking paycheck so
3: so and i get it they they are a little low on that however they also allow them to have all of their own sponsors and display their sponsors so that hundred thousand dollars probably more closer to like a quarter million or more once yeah once the rest of the paycheck gets lumped
1: on top of it but i'm just saying just straight off the top from the organization which is what they I say they, in uh, loose quotations, like to cry about most of the time. Straight up across the board. Considering how good both of those gentlemen are realistically in the world scheme. Yeah.
3: It's a little weird. Yeah. Fighter Fighter
1: pay is not an issue only in the UFC
3: is what I'll say. No, it's an across the board issue. Yeah. But then again, we brought it up the other day. If we want to turn this into fucking boxing... Yeah, they can make millions, but then we're going to get some shady shit going on. Yeah. yeah, it's
1: it's it's one of those things that one of these days we're going to end up doing a whole bonus episode, and it's going to be a long one because there's lots to go off on on that topic, and we all have very, very good opinions on it, I assure you. <laughs> um, so here's the point where the uh, bulk of the news, we'll say. Uh, comes into play here. The August 13th San Diego card basically got filled out over the course of this weekend here. Um, so first we got announced Ode Osborne versus Tyson Nam, which is going to be a great fucking fight. In San Diego, cool. I'm with it. Then we got Gabriel Benitez getting back at it versus Charlie Altaveras. Altaveras needs to get back on the fucking horse if he's going to. Benitez this is a decent enough test. Interesting fight for a fight night. Cool. I'm with it. Then we got David Onama versus Nate Landwehr. And now I'm paying attention. So I was interested in this card to begin with. Now I'm watching this fucking card very intently. Um, and then we got an interesting little side note as if that wasn't enough. Um I'm probably going to butcher these, but I'm going to try anyway. Uh, Yasmin Uruguay versus Yasmin Lucindo. Uh, Both ladies making their debut, but both ladies coming in on undefeated streaks making their UFC debut respectively one on an eight and oh fucking run one on a seven and oh run both of them legitimately looking very interesting and coming to spice the ladies side of the UFC up very intently in my opinion so I am absolutely fucking loving what they are doing to this fucking San Diego card and it's genuinely starting to look like something that everybody's going to want to keep an eye out of um We got a, I guess it's technically kind of a pair uh, of announcements here uh, for the September 3rd Paris card in the UFC. Uh, The first one uh, Khalid Taha taking on local French champion and also second time around UFC fighter Taylor Lapilis. Uh, Lapilus is now on his second run. The first time he went three and one and just didn't sparkle enough for the boss for whatever reason. So they let him go. He went back, fought on some smaller circuits, made a hell of a fucking run, won a belt and looked spectacular doing it. The UFC gave him a call back and they're going to let him fight now on the Paris card against Talib Taha. So I'm very interested to see how that one works out to see if we get a, uh, almost Patty Pimblet esque hometown pop because he's from Paris. So we'll see. Be interested to see how that one plays out. The other half of that one, um, we talked last week. We talked last week about one of the biggest fucking flip-flops that has taken place on that Paris card What was originally booked as Caitlin Chukagian versus Manon Furo, which relevant fight, good fight to be made, making it in Paris, fucking Shep's kiss on the fucking place. Beautifully done. Well, shit happens. Caitlin has to pull out. Understandable. We get the flip-flop and is in. Fuck. And is out. Now Caitlin's back in. Okay. So, all right. At least we've got Caitlin versus man on again. It's coming back again. Well, don't get so fucking excited because no. No, no, we don't. Uh, It turns out they actually have removed Caitlin Chukagin versus Manon Firo from that fucking September 3rd Paris card and have instead decided to move it to Abu Dhabi for the UFC 280 card in October. I honestly, I think it would have been much better. It's we're talking about September and we're still in July. So it's not like it's a shortage of time. Yeah. I understand I, if Caitlin might feel that Abu Dhabi would be better for the the shine that that card is going to get as well, but I don't think it's going to get them more than what Paris would have
3: gotten. It's not like the Abu Dhabi card needs more fights. And Paris is going to be fucking huge for them because. UFC's first time in Paris. Yeah. So we're talking fucking massive implications. That's going to have a lot of airtime, especially locally. Yeah. So you're going to, you have a chance for a huge fan base there if you were to topple their fucking fighter, but you know, Yeah, but here we go. Doing years.
1: We're just the people that watch every fucking week. What do we know? Right.
3: (laughs) Yeah. That's, Just the UFC doing UFC shit. That's all it is. Exactly, sir. Exactly.
1: But um, running down here, um, October 15th, before they go to Abu Dhabi for 280, um, we have got a very interesting fight matching up here. Jonathan Martinez getting back in there to welcome for their debut in the bantamweight division one Cub Swanson making the move down like so many other fellow featherweights have started to do in recent years. Um, unlike a lot of the other guys, though, I feel like this is actually a pretty fucking even fight for him to come down and make his way into the division, dip his toes, as it were, into the bantamweight pool and see if he likes the waters. Uh, I think this is actually a pretty fucking inviting fight, as it were. I think it could be pretty fucking good.
3: Hell yeah. And Cub Swanson is one of those guys that is allergic to a boring fight. So, you know, it's going to be fucking great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we got
1: the American Boxing Commission. Uh, or the, excuse me, the association of boxing commissions and combat sports, the uh, unified body as it were of athletic commissions for the most part, that rule making body that combat sports adheres to uh, have officially come down with a pair of rulings this week that have both been kind of played back and forth, especially in the last couple of months per se, uh, more than anything else this year, at least um, the first one and the big one is um, It is now no longer up to the referee's discretion in terms of recovery for an eye poke. From the time an eye poke, incidental or otherwise, is indicated now, just like a groin kick, there is an automatic and immediate five-minute timer started, and at the end of that five minutes, If you cannot continue, the doctor is brought in to confirm and then the fight is either ruled based on the amount of time that has gone forward or the basis of the the foul, how it would be ruled out. But there is no longer a judge or a referee's discretion, rather, in terms of fouls. It has come to the point where too many things have just been overlooked or not treated the same that we now officially from the ABC have eye pokes are to be treated just like groin strikes when it happens. Timer starts, five minutes to recover. If you can't recover, that's the fight. We're not fucking playing games anymore. I like it. I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Yeah. If we're gonna make rules fucking stand across the board, let's make rules stand across the board. That's what I like.
3: Hell yeah. Because in situations like that, we've seen time and time again where those guys they're either they're not ready and the refs like too fucking bad, either you go or we're yeah, done. Get back in there. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest it's it's an illegal fucking fucking thing just like a groin right. strike. in a de- incidental or not it's still illegal they should still get that same fucking five minute window to recover and make sure they can see and i get it there's some times where we've seen some fucking bad eye pokes this year like like ones that legitimately had to end fights yeah ones that should have ended the yeah fight and end don't get me fight. wrong there's some others that ended fights that didn't look that bad until you see the damage afterwards like people's fingernails cutting fucking goddamn the eyes themselves and shit so you know there's there's been some ones where you're going you know they definitely need those five minute timers and to be honest i think it's time that if they're going to implement that timer and the doctors are going to come in and check they don't just come in with a light they need to be fucking with that little microscope looking at the eye to make sure there's no actual damage to it exactly because you know that, yes, you can be the fucking Michael Bisbing of fighters and be in their one fucking eye and tell them, yeah, I can see everything just fine. Right. And they'll lie. <laughs> but you know, we we don't need that. Speaking of um, one-eyed fighters, can we mention that? Uh, I will give Michael Bisbing credit; he does have a good sense of humor. Did you guys see the little drop where he fucking moved his eye one way and he's looking at the other guy over there? But well, everybody, make sure you're looking at each other. You mean like this? Like this, yeah, <laughs> fucking great. Moves his yeah. prosthetic eye to look the other yeah. way. Like, no, Bismick's got a real good fucking sense of humor about it for damn sure. Well done, sir. Made me fucking laugh, but yeah, five minute timer, great addition. I- I'm glad they finally went to that. Now, if they would go to incidental or not, it's a fucking point. Yeah. I would be yeah. even more with that because that would force <laughs> yeah. people to pay attention I, more. I, Same I, thing I, with I, growing I strikes, no more incidentals, but, it's but, a fucking point.
1: Right. No, but baby steps. We, we've got some uniformity on the, the fucking decision making part of it. So I'm cool with that. Um, but the other half of the ruling is the part that might actually be more impactful than a lot of people will think here. Um, the ABC set down officially now part of the unified rule set. Neoprene sleeves are officially approved From the knees down, meaning you can wear a pair or a single neoprene sleeve on either or both legs or an ankle sleeve on either or both legs, but the ruling comes in that you can only wear them on your knees and ankles you can no longer wear elbow sleeves which we've seen more and more guys starting to wear lately you can no longer also tape those neoprene sleeves to your legs because as which comes with the territory when you're wearing sleeves and you wrestle they tend to roll and slide and that can obviously be a little distracting and disadvantageous during a fucking fist fight but tape for the most part has somewhat been the answer but even then isn't a hundred percent well even that's not allowed to make sure the playing fields are a hundred percent level you can wear your neoprene but you get to wear just that neoprene oh
3: i fucking love that to be quite honest okay that as well. let them do it because i mean well what was it last week yeah fucking how many times did he pull his fucking knee sleeves up That shit Half a dozen. <laughs> it happened at least at the end of the first, and then a fucking god knows how many more during the fight. Go ahead, yeah. It, yeah it's, go ahead, wear them if you want to. I get it. Some people have legitimate problems with their knees and when you're a high level athlete, you have to do everything you can to make sure that you're able to maintain and perform properly. But it's, unfortunately, MMA is a sport of injuries, is what I will call it. It's a sport right. of injuries. You're going to have them. You have to learn to fight through them. All fucking Santos fighting through fucking injuries. You know, he's fallen off a little bit, but I mean, just saying, neoprene's not going to help those. Sorry, boys. Yeah. Yeah. The neoprene ankle ones, though, that's going to help. That's going to be
1: a big deal because there are legitimately a couple of states. I think there's five or six different states that don't allow you to wear any wraps of any kind other than the official tape wrap for your wrists. No fucking knees, no ankles, no nothing. So now they have to.
3: Yep. And that's going to help fighters like Dominic Cruz, who he's always got fucking ankle wraps. (laughs) There is yes, sir. the dude moves so goddamn much it keeps him from rolling ankles. So <laughs> yes, i mean, dude, exactly it's gonna help some fighters and it's gonna be it's gonna be a good idea. I like it. Right.
1: So uh we did get one here. Um I uh, think there's three of them here, uh, that literally within five minutes of the show coming down got announced there was a whole page of them. It's not actually a page, it's just a couple, but they made a page article out of it. Um, last minutes that I didn't want to write down because they're interesting unto themselves. The Paris card, September 3rd. Dustin Stolfitz getting back in there, making his or uh, fighting against a gentleman who is making his UFC debut. Abusipuyan Magomedov, I believe is how you say his name. I probably butchered that. I'm sorry in advance. Um, Also, on, wow, where the fuck is this going? Uh, UFC 279, uh, Jake Collier versus Chris Barnett. Interesting interesting matchup there as well um also added to UFC 279 Hakim Dawadu versus Julian Arosa mean Hakim versus Juicy J that's an interesting fucking matchup um and then what was the other one here uh oh yeah Benoit Saint-Denis versus Christos Giagos for the French or for the the Paris card rather uh Saint-Denis being a Parisian himself not gonna make up for Manon Firo not being there but definitely will help win them back a little bit of local favor. um tipping back real quick to last weekend uh we got word yesterday that drake has officially promised to buy both patty pimblett and molly mccann a fucking rolex considering he made a parlay bet with both of them in it for two million dollars and it fucking hit and i believe the total payout at the end was like 3.7 million fucking dollars that he won on those two having a field day at home in london so i very much look forward to see the stylish wristwear those two get from helping drake hit that fucking parlay from hell um that was a fucking crazy one um then we've got the last one that I want to touch on real quick here, because we do a lot of joking, we do a lot of, of fucking around, but every now and again there comes something that we, I genuinely do feel deserves just a moment of seriousness before we get back to some fun for the pit. Um, we talked about it two weeks ago when it happened, and, and I wasn't happy to talk about it then, but it, it needed to be talked about, so I fucking said it. And we've come to the point where I'm not fucking happy to talk about it once again, but it needs to fucking be said. So I'm going to say it again. Some fucking asshole promoter has booked Bigfoot Silva in another match in two weeks against a 102 and nine rank uh, record holding kickboxer who is likely to do exactly what the last literal. 15 people in a row have done which is knock him out in brutal fashion because at this point bigfoot fired his manager who couldn't talk him out of taking these fucking fights despite him now having been knocked out three times in the last two fucking months scumbag promoters keep fucking booking fights because he still has a name that people will recognize it's
3: fucking disgusting that's that dirty part of the fucking mma world that i hate to say exists but it fucking exists yeah it's
1: that's so what I said, it's not something that's, it's fun and it's not something that gets a lot of coverage, but it's something that's fucking happening and it needs to be talked about. And if only we will take fucking two seconds on a podcast on fucking YouTube to say something about it, so fucking be it. But somebody needs to fucking talk about it. It's not okay. And it's still fucking happening because there's always some fucking scumbag trying to make a buck off somebody who's desperate enough to do
3: whatever it takes to get a buck. Exactly. Um, you know, generally, I don't acknowledge chat when we're on the show, but that shit is funny. Um, those neoprene braces we were talking about, he nailed that on the fucking head, Mr. Slezio out there. Mally should benefit from those with his brittle ass ankles too. Yeah, them fucking gingerbread legs most definitely need some fucking
1: rainbow bright ankle wraps to keep him up in the next fucking fight for damn sure. Yeah, that, uh, it's a good way to <laughs> uh,
3: to break the bullshit there, but I, I had to mention that one because that fucking yeah, legitimately no. made me fucking laugh. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely, absolutely. Hats off for that for damn sure. <laughs> but uh, that being said, Uh, this will be the point that those of you who are watching live on YouTube will realize means that we have lost the uh, friendly atmosphere that we have come to know, and we have taken the turn as it was into the pit. Now, this evening, we're not quite as aggro. We're not quite as angry as we typically get because at this point, We're just happy that we've survived through the craziness that is July. So instead, we're going to have a little more relaxed version. We're going to have a little more laid back version of the pit. We're going to calm the fuck down. We're keeping it competitive. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the pit. Now this evening, we're going to start off with our champion golf team. First question, sir, as I've like to refer to it now, we're going to start off with what the fuck am I watching? I would like to know, sir, your overhyped fight of the card. Which one will people just not stop talking about, man, and it don't make no sense.
3: Fucking mute button. Yep, I'm obviously too <laughs> relaxed. I forgot to <laughs> unmute. Eh, you'll have I, that. You I know.
1: warned you, you leave a window open with me for too long
3: and secondhand gets through. bro. It happens. What are you going to do? Um, <laughs> to be honest, I know not everybody is going to agree with me on this, and I don't give a flying fuck. My overhyped fight is Brandon Moreno and Kai Cara France. Because to be honest, neither one of them are going to win the fucking title. Yeah, they're going to get an interim, but neither one of them are going to fucking win the title. That's just how that's going to work. The fight means absolutely dick other than you're a placeholder for the next guy to get your ass kicked. And between the coverage they're getting from Embedded being as it's the co-main event and outside coverage that I've seen on both of them, they both talk a big game, but neither one of them are legitimate enough to win the title at this point. So, as much as I hate to say it, Brandon Moreno, your fucking time is done. Kai France, your time is not coming because you have a tendency to trip over your own dick.
1: I can definitely understand that. I can definitely understand that uh i I can definitely say they are getting a lot more hype than they probably would have if this wasn't in the co-main event spot for sure and justifiably it might not belong in the co-main event spot to be honest so we'll bring that back over to uh the other side of the octagon as it were here uh Brother Christian, what do you think is the what-the-fuck-am-I-watching-here moment for this weekend for you? What is the one that just people can't quit yapping about and nobody knows why, man?
2: All right, so I uh, the one thing I just want to say about Golf tease answer, I think that fight's going to be exciting. So I, I like the little bit of a hype that the co-main event's getting. 'Cause the first fight between the two of them was only three rounds. It was a back and forth war. And it's been years and both of them have grown. I don't I I agree. I don't necessarily think Marino or Kai are championship material. Yeah, you know, I don't think is Kai. Kai is quite there, you know. But uh the overhype fight, we've been hearing the hype for fucking seven months, right? This is the main event. Juliana Peña versus Amanda Nunez fight that a lot of people thought was just a goddamn fluke. Either way you put this, I've been saying it for months. It's a pointless fight. Getting this rematch over, done and over with is what we've wanted for months. And they just let it stretch out with the ultimate fighter, making them coaches of the ultimate fighter. We've had this fight overhyped for fucking months. That goddamn ultimate fighter season 30 was fucking god-awful. And hopefully the fight's not. Right, and hopefully, you know, man goes out there, doesn't shit the bed like she did in that first fight. Getting tired after round one. Uh you'd love to see Juliana stay just as tough as she did after that first round of that first fight, and it just go five rounds, beating the shit out of each other, man, to get that belt back. You know, clear, unanimous, fucking decision. An exciting fight for the fans would be nice, but it has been overhyped for almost one half a year. Oh, yeah damn near
1: yeah no I I agree uh, I, I think both our main and co-main would have done better being on a different card maybe with different fights around them but uh, I definitely got to say for me uh, round one we are giving to brother slow bait that main event is not only a fight that we don't need to be a main event, but we shouldn't have had to wait this long. And we sure as hell had shouldn't have had to drag an entire season of the ultimate fighter along just to get Usman's brother a fucking contract.
3: And can we tell the UFC, when you're taking fight pictures of fucking people fighting, only the current champ should be having the belt over their shoulder for that weight class. I'm just saying. I'm not saying Amanda is not a champ because she is at 145, but but not right here in the bantamweight. So right, right well, now she's that's not. One of those,
1: that's one of those interesting situations where we only have what three three potential crossovers. Yeah. For that to be an issue with, so I get why they haven't like quote unquote officially ruled on that kind of shit just yet. I, but I'm just saying. I think it, if we, I think if the sense. interest is still there going forward, that's definitely something we're gonna have to touch back on.
3: Yeah. So I but get that it. being said Yeah
1: That being said though That'll bring us to round two So for round two we're going to let Brother Christian kick this one off here In round two we're going to flip That coin right on over To the other side so for round two I would like to know Your hey mom get in here And watch this What's the fight that no one's talking about That everyone Should be watching
2: Well, you know, personally, there's one person I'm really looking forward to. It's Anthony Smith. I just want to give that out there. That's probably the single person I'm looking for. but fight, right? I feel like the most exciting, like you said, hey, Ma, get in here. You know, somebody that you may not be watching, hey, get your ass fuck in here. This is a hell of a fuck fight. Alex Perez and Alexander Pintos. I feel like this might actually be more of an exciting fight. And the co-main event, I'm excited about the co-main event. But in the sense of what flyweight matchups we're getting, this Pantoja and Perez fight is something exciting. I mean, what Perez has only lost to Joseph Benavidez back years ago, and then and then Figueredo himself. So you, you think he's only lost to the champion in the past few years, and then Pantoja, you know, he's beaten guys like Roy Val and. I think he's even uh, beat, what, Brandon Moreno? I think even Kai, the two dudes that are in the interim match right now. And so it, it, it's interesting what these two dudes have already done, and they both have huge finishing potential. I feel like we've got a chance to see a finish out of this fight more than the and So I also don't think this fight's been hyped, other than them being on the, the press conference, I saw this afternoon. I don't think this fight's been hyped up at all. And it, Pantoja was asked like one question during that press conference. It's literally like nobody cares about this fight, but I feel like it's going to be one of the most exciting fights in the card. Interesting.
1: Interesting indeed. So with that, we will flip that over to the other side of the octagon, as it were, and bring it back to golf tee here. So golf tee, what is your, hey, Ma, get in here fight, what is the one that no one's talking about that everyone needs to be watching?
3: I think it's again. the one that everybody's forgot that's even on the fucking card. True Dober and Rafael Alves. Drew Dober always goes 110%, which is worth just fucking tuning in right there. And you've got Alves coming into his third fight into the UFC and he's first fight decision, second fight submission. He's got some fucking hype behind him. Drew Dober just got off of his two-fight losing skid, pulled his shit out of his ass with a fucking knockout over McKinney. So I think there could be some fucking fireworks in this fight. And to be honest, nothing else out but Drew Dover's got a lot of fucking experience, and he's fought some pretty tough individuals. Uh, I think this is where we see Dober get back on that fucking right streak and possibly put <coughs> the number by his name again interesting,
1: interesting indeed I, I absolutely I absolutely uh, tend to agree with that uh, I don't remember Drew Dober ever being in a boring fight even when he loses he's one of those guys his fights are always entertaining for damn sure. Uh, I think there is definitely some interest in the uh, Pantoja fight versus uh, or Alex versus Alex, as it were. Uh, but I, I definitely think that the uh, the more slept on fight in this situation for me is that Dover fight. So we're going to give the point for round two to Golf T Babes. That'll bring us into round three here. So round three in the flip-flop that we're doing, we're going to bring it back to golf tee for the co-main event. Like it or not, there will be an interim champion coming out of our co-main event lined up to either prospectively unify the belt against davison figueredo or potentially fight for a vacated belt if he does indeed move up to bantamweight like he's threatening to do but before we get to that we have to cross saturday night's road so i ask you sir how does our
3: co-main event play out in your eyes You know, the obvious answer on this one is I don't give a flying fuck. I'll start there. Like I said, neither one of them are gonna end up being more than the interim champ. Um, but if if I have to fucking make a pick, like I said, I don't think it's the assassin baby's time anymore. I really think Kai Car France gets it done. Do I think he's gonna finish him? No, I think it's gonna go to a hard-fought decision, but Neither one of these guys are where they need to be to beat Davidson now. Don't get me wrong, Reynolds done it, and he did it decisively with a submission. But he's not there anymore. We saw that in the last fight. So, and to be honest, Kai Car France, I don't know how he made it to the number two in the fucking division. I really don't. He has never looked that great to me, and. He's mediocre at best. He's just another one that comes out of city kickboxing that goes, Hey, we're here. That's it to me. I've never been a huge fan of Kai Carr France. And I'm not saying I dislike him, it's just not, he's not going to be in my top 25 of all fighters. So Kai Carr France gets it done by decision. And it's going to be a tough fight for him, though, because Miranda's no walk in the park.
1: Interesting. Interesting point of view, indeed, sir. So that brings us back across the octagon to you, brother Christian. In this co-main event, come hell or high water, one of those gentlemen will walk out at that cage Saturday evening as the interim champion, ready to go after that unified belt. So how, sir, do you think our co-main event plays out this weekend?
2: Well, for me, I've been struggling with it all week, like going back and forth. I like both guys. Personally, I like both of them. In the, in the fighting sense, uh, Kai in his last couple of fights, knocking out Cody Garbrandt. I know that was like Cody's first attempt at trying to move down a weight class. That was what it was. But that was fantastic. I loved that. I've never really liked Cody Garbrandt. And you to see Kai knock him out. That was a good moment, right? And then he did beat Askar Askarov. It wasn't necessarily the most exciting fight earlier this year. But he did beat a top-five fighter. That's what's got him this opportunity, and it's mainly just because of Davison and Figueredo you know, playing the games. Going back to that fight between Brandon and Figueredo, I thought Moreno was off, but I still feel like Moreno won that fight. I still feel like Moreno's a better fighter than Figueredo, and I feel like either one of these fighters would beat Figueredo. And I don't care what Figueredo does, whether he stays in this weight class, moves up, I see somebody else taking this belt, whether it's Pantoja or Perez. Th- this weight class is open. And I don't think Figueredo is a dominant champion. He's more like Alderman Sterling, bitching about money, dropping his manager over, you know, not making enough money over a title fight. Yeah, yeah, you know, drama stuff. I think this fight's going to be exciting. The first one was exciting. We got five rounds on this. I definitely don't see either one of them finishing each other. Moreno's got a good chin. And Kaikar France hasn't had any, any amazing finishes other than the Garbrandt knockout. And so um, I put a little, of a dollar. I put a little bet, a parlay bet on Kaikar France. But my heart goes Brandon Moreno on this. Either way, I think it's going to be a decision victory. Put a little dollar on a parlay. So if Kaikar France gets the decision victory, it could help me win 466 bucks off of a dollar bet. That'd be fun.
1: I can definitely understand that. Uh, I absolutely agree with both of you gentlemen. I've actually got it on my topology that I just turned in right before the show started here as the decision for uh kayak France. of uh, France. I, I think it's going to be a, a potentially interesting fight. I don't know if it's going to be the most exciting fight on the card. I literally just watched the the first fight was on the UFC free fight of the week this afternoon. So I watched it again. Um, it was, it was an entertaining first three round fight. Um, See, honestly, I, I like Moreno. I've liked Moreno for a while. I like Kai care France. I like what he what he does, how he's got to where he is. Uh, but I honestly agree with Golf T here. I don't know how either one of them are ranked as high as they are. Um, That being said, I, I've got to say, uh, if you're willing to put a buck on it, I'll give you the point. Uh, round three, we're going to give here to Brother Bay. That'll bring us to round four here. Uh, Round four, we're going to flip that coin right back on over here. So, Brother Christian, we're going to start with you on this one here. Uh, How do you, sir, see our night wrapping up one way or another? Anticipated or not anticipated in this situation. Uh, Ladies, bantamweight belt will be decided. Uh, how do you think that one actually shakes loose when the end bell comes through?
2: Well, I'll we'll start out by saying I hope to God <clears throat> that the International Fight Month curse doesn't continue to poke its head out. Let's not get a an early finish in, in the wrong kind of way, you know. Um, I don't think Amanda Nunez is In any different mindset than she was with the last fight, it seems like leading up to this fight, she's been making a lot of excuses as to why she lost the last fight. Um, during the press conference today, even kind of admitted to the fact that her and her team wound up popping in on Juliana. She said it was an accident, right? You know, but like Juliana said, they, they were trying to spy on her during the ultimate fighter. It's just there's it not good looks. She doesn't seem like she's in a killer mindset. She keeps making the statement that she's going to get her belt back, but I'm just not seeing it. Like it was kind of what we mentioned earlier back about Alexander Gustafsson. We saw like the fire in his eyes leading up to the fight, and then there just wasn't something there, you know. Once the cage closed, well, this week leading up, to, I don't see a fire in Amanda's eyes. Maybe that'll change once the cage closes. It may be the opposite effect of Gustafsson, but. Juliana Pena is a tough, tough chick, and she showed that in the first fight. She took everything Amanda had to throw at her. You know, what is Amanda going to be able to do differently in this fight? She's still going to be tough. She said it in the press conference today. She's willing to die in there. She'll crash. She'll squat and claw. And she'll dig her eyes out. Even if she'll do whatever she got to do. But I feel like if Amanda's more on point, this could wind up leading to a decision. Um, but they're both. I mean, you got the goat, and Pena finished her off in the last fight. So it's tough to put money on that this is going to go the distance. But I'm 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 just riding with Juliana. I, I heard a fact. This and this is where I'll finish. I heard a fact this week that we've only had eleven of these in the UFC beforehand. These where a uh, champion loses their belt and then gets an automatic rematch and a chance to get their belt back. Only two times. As that champion then won their belt back, Randy Couture and then Davison Figueroa at the start of this year. I'm I'm not putting my money that Amanda's going to be the third out of twelve. It's just not a good statistic. Randy Couture, you know, the hell of a legend. So is Amanda Nunez, but putting my money on Pena. I think Pena is going to come out of this, whether it's a finish or a decision.
1: Interesting. Interesting indeed. So. Golf that brings us back over to you here. Uh, One way or the other, the bantamweight picture on the ladies' side of things becomes much more clear once Sunday morning hits us. So when the fog clears on Dallas, Texas, Monday morning, who leaves on a jet plane with a gold belt in their carry-on luggage?
3: Well, I don't know if we're playing T-ball or not, because that seems way too fucking easy to to pick fucking Pena. What? No. You don't pick fucking Pena here. Ever. (laughs) Look, when a shallow person shows up, because they were obviously fucking not there that night, you got not even 10% of fucking Amanda Nunes when she lost the belt. You got 5% of that if you were lucky. She looked like dog shit from the fucking onset. She was not the Amanda Nunes that everybody knows. She didn't even get a chance to test Peña's chin. Not at all. Because she looked like dog shit. We are not going to see that again. If anything, that losing that fight is probably the best thing that could have possibly ever happened to fucking Nunes. Go, you know what? Apparently, I was sleeping in way too much silk sheets. I was way too worried about my fucking personal life and all of that, rather than getting in the gym and solidifying that I am the greatest woman fighter of all fucking time. Because right now, she brings this back. That's a really hard fucking argument to fight against. I'm not discrediting like Shevchenko or anything like that because Shevchenko's in that mix, but two weight divisions, albeit one of them, is kind of a ghost division but you've got titles in both, it's kind of hard to fucking fight against that goat status. Especially if you go, yeah, I had a fucking off night. Everybody has an off night. It happens. I think this fight ends no later than the second round with fucking Pena getting knocked clean the fuck out. We're getting a TKO knockout. She's not going to withstand two fucking rounds. We're going to have the old lioness back. And you know what? I will... I'm going to fucking paraphrase here because I'm not exactly sure how she said it, but a lion doesn't always get the kill on the first try. But they never miss a fucking fucking second meal. And let me tell you what, she's fucking right. I don't care if Pena thinks she's the lioness. Nah, the main is on the fucking king over there in this division. And it's Amanda Nunes. Pena doesn't <laughs> I mean, snowball's chance in hell. I will fucking eat my goddamn beard next week if that shit comes back the other way around and she finishes her again. If that happens, all this, all in the fucking mouth. <laughs> Not gonna fucking happen though. Tell me. Nunes, second round, TKO or knockout. One of the two.
2: I just, I already know you'll probably get the point because I know how this works out, but I just can't. It'll help, but reiterate that point, man. We've seen it before. Plenty of people have gotten this rematch. It's just, it, I love that statistic this week, man. Only Randy fucking Couture and Davison Figueroa have ever done this. I mean, okay. she is. The, if there was to ever be the one, right? Like you said, there's been a lot of people right. though that have had that off night, lose their belt, they get another chance, and they they don't fucking get it back.
3: Maybe uh, I'm missing something here.
2: I just don't see the fire in her anymore. Ha, I, don't, I know not, it will give you the point, but
3: I don't see the fire in Amanda. No, anymore. no. It Believe me, I understand where this is going, too, but this is besides the point. Either way, have you not noticed when we MMA math around here, it doesn't fucking work, so we try not to do it? <laughs> I like where your statistic is at with that because it's very fucking true. Oh, yeah. I wasn't trying to, like,
2: pull out the... I just...
3: Yeah, I love I'm that I'm just saying. Um, just Amanda Nunes... Is, oh
2: is the Only Mandy Randy Couture, Couture names, like
3: I just heard that. This what, I was like. Think of it this, this way: right. Amanda Nunes is the Randy Couture of this division. That's why it will happen. Well, let me let me take it one point further here. Uh, so,
1: first and foremost, uh, I am going to give the point for round four here to Golf tee Vapes. Uh, but let me explain why Golf tea is loser the point. eats
2: their beard next week.
1: Let me get. Let me explain why off to gets to the point here because just last weekend we had a 100 percent living proof example of what happens when a person who comes into a fight compromised comes into their next fight no longer compromised look at what lauren murphy Looked like against Valentina Shevchenko. Now that we know that she was legitimately, genuinely sick and compromised during that fight, not saying she would have won it, but I'm saying we know for a fact she was compromised during that fight. And then look at the Lauren Murphy that came out last weekend and literally beat the frosting off of Misha Tate. So
2: Two weeks off of COVID. Anyone,
1: Exactly. So if anyone is going to be the next person to step into that realm of three out of 12, I think it could be Amanda Nunez, who in the first fight was literally recovering from COVID, and now we know also had a knee injury, so genuinely was compromised and didn't talk about it leading up to the fight, and now is 100% healthy and no longer compromised so we have a path laid out before us a proof in the pudding ladies that were compromised in their first title fight not going their way getting back getting healthy coming back to that next fight tables turn so
3: you're not helping me with the fucking iteration i just put on using mma math don't do that Even though, oh, we all fucking do it eventually.
1: <laughs> but that being said, for those of you who can math, we are all tied up and forced to go to a winner-take-all sudden death round. So, as we like to do around here, our sudden death round has absolutely nothing to do with this week's card that we're talking about ironically enough though this week's round five question does have to do with last week's card that we were talking about just a minute ago so before we get the question itself golf t as returning champion here you have champion's prerogative would you like to go first or pass the question on to the brother christian
3: Do you know what? As a courtesy, as we knew which way the pendulum was going to swing, and he called it out in front of everybody because we know how this works, I'm going to let Christian go first because you know what? It's fucking awesome. You're calling the same thing I call week in and week out. Well done, Christian. You can have it, man. <laughs> All right.
1: So, Brother Christian, the question comes to you then. We just saw last weekend lauren murphy absolutely dismantle what the media what even valentina herself said potentially could be her next challenge the potential second goat hunter she was calling herself trying to imitate what she felt Giuliana pena did so my question to you sir What the fuck do we do with Misha Tate now?
2: Well, I heard earlier this week that she's planning on going back to bantamweight, so I guess that little stint. Of why wait? It was just you know, the one and done. Was sad, to, sad to see because at this point, I feel like even after that loss to Lauren Murphy, she would have more of a chance at a title. In the flyweight division, then the bantamweight division, but then again, bantamweight is just empty. I think she needs to retire. I think after that match, what we saw—I mean, she, I, Charity retired the once. But it was similar to what we saw with Alexander Gustafson in London here this last weekend. Just she seemed slow. She seemed off, and she she said it was the weight cut. And that's why she plans on going back up to band weight. But she, against Ketlin Vieira, her last fight at band weight, looked the same. It just looked, she looked slow. She looked off. She wasn't able to do a lot. She just kind of took an ass whooping. You know, so I I just don't know if I want to continue to see, even though you're one of my favorite fighters, one of my favorite fighters continue to get their ass whooped. It's where it was nice to see Cerrone hang up the gloves and put down the hat. When he did, because, you know, when you're getting your ass, well, how can your heart be in it that much, even if you're making a lot of money? So, as a fan, I'd like to see her just go back to enjoying her life, you know, taking care of her family and things like that. Um, but what I, I think we're going to see, we're she's going to get another shot at Bandwink. She's going to get her ass beat again. And it's going to be a sad sight.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to think that is definitely a, a possibility whether we like it or not. Or she decides she wants another shot at Bannerweight, I feel like Dana's probably going to give it to her. So, that'll bring us back across the octagon as it were. Golf T, what the fuck do we do with Misha now?
3: Well, to start with, let me make a little correction. That was not last weekend. It was two weekends ago where she got her ass handed to her. So we're just, we're just going to put that out there. I know we're doing this live, but you know, I just want to make sure we're getting the correct information across the table. I, I was looking at it through her eye. That's why it was a little fuzzy.
2: <laughs>
3: <Fair enough. laughs> that fucker was pretty bad, even at that baseball game oh, she did that. <laughs> um, anyhow, um, to be honest, I don't want to see her back at bat. I'm like, I don't want to see her fucking trying to somehow shape her way back to fucking fighting Lauren Murphy again, because she's not... I'll say this. When she said she was coming back, she said it's because her heart was in it. Her heart is definitely not in it anymore. After those two last bad fucking losses, it's not like they were little losses. She was getting her ass fucking whopped and just stomped. They literally fucking stomped the mud hole in them and walked them fucking dry. She She, at this point, I don't think she has another option other than to fucking retire. To be honest, you know what I would love to see out of her? Put her in the UFCPI. She could be a great fucking coach for a lot of fucking up and coming fighters. She's an absolute legend. She has a heart for fucking days, which is why she was a former fucking title holder at one point. She was getting her ass fucking stomped until she fucking choked out Holly Holm. Holly Holm was beating the brakes off of her. But she has the fucking heart. So she has the heart of a champion. But the heart is not there anymore. There's a reason. Look, as a fighter, she still has it. You can see it because she kept fucking moving forward. Just one foot in front of the other during that fight. But she kept pressing the action. But the action was not going her way. She's not there. She obviously can't contend in the top fucking ten anymore. It's... At this point, it's a losing fucking, it's a losing fucking state to have her in the UFC at all. To be honest, I'm guessing she probably when she resigned probably signed a three to five fight contract. I'm guessing probably more along the lines of five. So they're probably going to have two more for her, but she's going to end up going back down. If she's smart, though, she fucking retires, go back into retirement, go back to being mom. You're great at that. Be an ambassador for the sport. That is something you've already earned the title. You're going to end up in the Hall of Fame one day, anyways. So fuck it. Just retire. Call it a fucking day. But if she does end up staying in, I don't think we see her in this division again. I think she goes back down. No, it's but it's either way, it's a no win situation for her. I I agree. I, I agree very much.
1: Um. I will say uh, honorable mention answer for me. Uh, no one actually said it here. And I don't know that I've heard many people talk about it, but I think it might low key be probably the smartest fucking thing she could legitimately do for her career. Fuck and wait, go challenge Amanda at 45. We already know how Misha versus everyone at 35 was going to go. She literally just did an interview yesterday and said the cut to 25 made her want to blow her brains out, which is not clever fucking wording to begin with. But clearly she doesn't want to be cutting weight at this point. So why cut weight to 35? It's clearly still a cut to get to 35. Go to 45 while Amanda's focusing on Juliana and start rattling the cage about her 45-pound belt. There's no competition up there. She could go up and just fucking soup can t-ball any of those ladies at 45 with her legitimate skills. And then Amanda has no choice but to fight her. You want a belt before you retire, sweetheart?
3: I'll give that an honorable mention, but definitely not something I want to see her do. I'm not saying it's going to
1: be pretty. I'm (laughs) saying if you want gold before you retire, there's your door. (laughs) (laughs) That being said, though, um, I am going to give the point for round five and our winner for this particular episode of the pit to golf TV's. Um, I, I do absolutely agree with you, Christian, that retirement is probably the smartest option for her at this point, but the best thing for her. I think realistically is, is exactly what golfy said. Get her in the fucking P.I. with Forrest Griffin and let her help guide some of these fucking future ladies who just don't know what they don't know. Look at the lineup right now. I guarantee you, if you just made it mandatory that every fighter has to answer a yes or no poll before they can get their next fight assigned to them. Did you know about Forrest Griffin before you applied for the UFC? There will not be, but maybe a 0.1% of that whole roster that ticks no. Forrest Griffin has helped shape this sport, not only from in the cage, but from the
3: PI as well. Let me follow that path. I think that would be great. Not to mention some really great fucking car, um, tire commercials too.
1: <laughs> those Toyo tire commercials with Misha and Forrest, come on, dude, still got it. Like, oh, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> oh. oh, but that is all we've got for this particular episode, so we are going to call that all for now. First and
3: foremost, oh,
1: I got I one thing up. I want to
3: point out for Go those ahead. of you. Because we haven't done this in a while Those of you who are watching We do do a pickup Through Tapology I did link it in our YouTube show tonight So if you want to go join the group Go create an account on Tapology Get your picks in You have until tomorrow at what, Or no, you have like an hour Before the fights start on Saturday I think is when Or three hours before the fights start Three hours before the first fight kicks off So go click on the group there um it's group number what the fuck's group number? 965 965 there you go
0: you can either it's- search it
3: by i'm no bookie all one word or group 965 either way you apply i'll put you right through yep, and then put your fucking picks in for the ufc fights this weekend and we'll get you in here and you can run with the rest of us uh look some of the things we talk about on the show may not be the picks we make that's because sometimes we pick with our heart instead of fucking legitimate what's going to happen. Because, you know, we still have favorite fighters. That's Absolutely. how that works. Absolutely. But yeah, go get in on the pick em. It's a fun time and there is shit to be talked between us, you know. Absolutely. No, first and foremost, thank you to everybody, whether you are
1: watching this live on youtube.com slash I'm no Joe every Thursday night, 930 ish central time, or whether you're catching this on the all audio format replay a week after we air live your podcast consumption platform of choice via anchor.fm slash I'm no Joe either way we appreciate you tuning in if you appreciate what we do make sure your notifications are turned on and give us the thumbs up if you like what we are doing on the particular platform that you are listening and or watching us on on the other side of that if you do not enjoy what we get up to around here first and foremost why the fuck are you still sitting through a podcast you didn't enjoy give us a thumbs down and then go fuck yourself we won't even dispute it that being said, if you do enjoy what we get up to around here, the best way to help us do that, a continue watching and tell your friends about us. But B, patreon.com/slash I'm no joe. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get your name as a thank you on the end of every single video. Help us do what we do and get unrestricted access to behind the scenes, unaired, and literally unairable footage. There's shit on our Patreon I can't talk about on this show because YouTube will take the whole fucking thing down. But for a dollar, You can go look at it and laugh. And I'm telling you, there's interesting things up there. That being said, all the links for all the goodies are down in the description here. Feel free to click through, follow. All the links are down there. I'm telling you, that being said, that is all we have got for this particular episode. So until
2: next time, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: How do I say
0: goodbye to what we have, the good times?